Can we give God a praise in this place? Come on, Christ Uncensored, give God a praise right there where you are. Is there anybody excited to be in the house of God today? I don't know about you, but I'm like super excited to be in God's house today. Look at the person next to you. Tell them, neighbor. Tell them I waited all week to sit next to you. All right. All right. All right. Look at the other neighbor, the one that you rejected originally, the one that you didn't pick when they said, tell neighbor, look at that person and tell them neighbor, tell them you look good in the presence of God. Tell them you look good in the presence of God. Amen. I'm excited to be here. For those of you that don't know me, I am uh, Pastor O. I lead this church with my beautiful wife, Lisa. And it is our absolute joy and privilege to have you here with us. For those of us that call Christ Uncensored uh, our home, can we just give a just super kuhau welcome to every single guest, to every single person that is here? Come on. Come on. what we want to say to your soul. We want to say welcome home. Welcome home. Our soul needs a home and I believe that this church can be that home for you, for your soul, for your spirit. And again, it's our privilege to have you here. And I believe that God has given me a word to every single person that is here today. Maybe you're here and you think you're here just by chance. Maybe you're here because someone invited you to a friends and family. Or maybe you're here because someone tricked you to being here. They're like, hey, come to this place, 77 Alaska, a lot of food, be here. It's awesome. It's like, how did you get me into church? Like, what? But, but, but here's what I believe, and I genuinely believe this in my heart of hearts. I believe that it could be that God wanted you here. I believe that maybe God wanted you here, and he wanted you here because he wanted to share a word with you. I asked the Holy Spirit, Lord, would you give me the words to speak to your people? I believe that you're here, you're in this place, and it's because God wants to speak to you. God wants to say something to you. And here's what I want to ask of you, that I'm going to spend the next three and a half hours preaching. No, I'm just joking. I was, I'm going to preach this message, hopefully in the next 33 minutes, so that we can get into some food. But as I share this message, I don't want us to be resistant to anything God wants us to say. How many of you know that there's some messages that I don't need convincing when God wants to speak to me? Like if God was like, hey, I want to give you a house today. I don't need any confirmations. It's just like, that was of God. (laughs) But sometimes when God wants to challenge us or when God is nudging us and God is speaking to our heart, sometimes we kind of could be a little tense and a little resistant. And here's what I want to say, that as you hear this message, if the Lord begins to nudge your heart, here's what I want to ask of you, that you would just lean into that nudge, that you would lean into that nudge and maybe not resist what the Lord is doing. Now, if the Lord is not doing nothing in your heart, if you're in this place, listen, no harm done. No, you don't need to do anything. You can come and enjoy the food. We're going to have some amazing turkey, some amazing pernil, and we'll all repent later for gluttony. We'll, we'll take care of that. But if the Lord is doing something in your soul, here's what I want to ask of you, that you would lean into that. And maybe you don't know the Lord as your, as your Savior and as your Lord, but that you would surrender to his love. The Bible says that we can trust in God's love because we can trust in God. In other words, God doesn't separate himself from his love. And so all I'm asking of you is that you would lean into God's love today. You're not making any final commitments. You're not saying, well, I'm going to just sign my life over. And from this day forth, I'm going to be a saint and I'm going to be perfect and I'm going to stop sinning. And I'm going to, we're not asking you to make a commitment to that. What we're asking you to say or to do is that if you hear or you feel God do something in your heart today, that you would say, okay, Lord, I'll follow you. Whatever that looks like. Everything else after that is just going to be a conversation between you and God. God, what do you think about this? God, what about this person? And can I tell you, it might be helpful for you. (laughs) Amen? 
Amen? Anybody ready to hear a word from God today? Okay. So today we're starting a brand new series entitled, uh, Called to Freedom. It's called to freedom. I don't know about you, but is anybody here that can experience a little bit more freedom in certain areas in their life? Anybody here just a little bit more freedom in certain areas in their life? I don't know, maybe many of us are just completely like we're set free, like we got it going, everything is perfect. But I don't know about you, but I need a little bit of freedom in certain areas in our life. There's, there's some people here, maybe you would say like, if that one thing would be deleted from my life, I mean, things will just skyrocket in my life. Like if I wasn't addicted to it, if I wasn't held captive by it, if I wasn't controlled by that, like my life would skyrocket in so many areas in my life, in so many areas in the way I see things, in so many areas in my perspective. And I believe that God has called all of us to freedom. Our our series theme comes from this verse found in Galatians chapter 5 verse 1. And I want to read it to you and I'll read this first from the living translation. It says, so Christ has truly set us free. So Christ, look at, it, look at the person next to you, tell them, whether I look like it or not right now, I've been set free. Come on, somebody. By the way, it's okay to say amen. It's, go, it's okay to say, go ahead, preacher. And if it's really good, you say, dale papi, dale papi. Eso estaba bueno. All right, it's okay. It's okay to get verbally active in church. It says, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free. And I want to read it from the God's Word translation. And if you don't have a Bible, it's right here on the screen for you. It says, Christ has freed us so that we may enjoy the benefits of freedom. Christ has set you free so that you can enjoy the benefits of freedom. Because how many of you know that sometimes, like, it could be possible that God has set you free. And it could be very possible that technically you've been unchained, that the chains are broken, that you've been unbound, that the prison doors are open wide. But how many of you know that though you could be made made free, it also could be true that you're not walking in the benefits of your freedom. Like that's what I feel in my soul right now. I shared with our Matrix students about the Emancipation Proclamation that was issued in the 1800s by Abraham Lincoln. Now, this was a proclamation that set all the slaves at that time free. But there was also some documented cases in which certain slaves were not informed of their freedom, and so though technically they were made absolutely free, they didn't walk in the benefits of their freedom because of something they didn't know, because of something that wasn't informed to them. I think it's also true that it it comes to some of the children of God that are in this place. Could it be that there are so many things that God has set us free from, but we're also not walking in the fullness of God's freedom, in the fullness of God's uh, uh, liberation of your life? And I just want to share that with you today. I was actually tempted to call this message uh, Freedom with Benefits. But I also thought that this was a friends and family gathering, so we're going to keep it all PG-13. But as I began to talk about today's message, or I began to hear God's voice when it came to today's message, what I also found to be true is that when it comes to us experiencing freedom, sometimes what's keeping us bound and what's keeping us in chains What's keeping us from experiencing the fullness of our freedom or the benefits of our freedom is something that has to do with the past. Like there's something about the past, uh, our past mistakes and our past regrets and our past decisions. There's certain things that we've experienced in our past that sometimes you got to go back a few steps so that you can leap forward more steps. Sometimes you got to take two steps back in order to take five steps forward. And I think what God wants to do with us today, he wants us to take a couple of steps back. Because here's what I realized. Way before the regret of the wrong decision, way before the mistake, way before the decisions that you've made, way, way before the perception you had. If you actually go way, 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 way back, 
what you would find is a child who never received the proper treatment, the proper love, and the proper health that they needed in order to become a healed, whole, and healthy person. What I want to title our message today is a letter to my younger self. A letter to my younger self. And I'm going to preach this message not at you. I'm preaching this message with you because I really had to do some, some soul searching. Like, what is it that I would write to my younger self? Now, in the Bible, there's no scripture where you have an older gentleman writing a letter to his younger self. But the closest thing we have to it is the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy, which was like an identical replica of the Apostle Paul. In the Bible, he calls him his spiritual son. So it's almost as if he's writing a letter to his younger self. Timothy was going through some of the things that Paul was going through. I don't know if you've ever been in this place, but I've been in this place. If I knew then what I know, if I knew what I know, I mean, some of us, we will be experiencing a lot more healing. We will have a lot more money in the bank account. Come on, somebody. I think Paul, in some ways, is writing to Timothy, his younger version himself. And he says this to Timothy during a time that he is very vulnerable. He's giving up. He, he doesn't know what to do. Paul says, hey, Timothy, God didn't give you a spirit of fear. That's a trauma that you're experiencing right now. He says, God didn't give you a spirit of fear. He gave you a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind, which is to say, hey, the trauma that you're experiencing right now is not something that God gave you. He didn't originate you to be that way. He says, that's actually not who you are. You're not a person that walks with the spirit of fear. You're a person that God created, created with power, love, and of a sound mind. My message to us today is a letter to my younger self. And I think I would say, dear younger self. What would I say if I had to write a letter to my younger self? And I just want to share that these are some of the things that maybe I want to share with my younger self. But maybe the Holy Spirit is going to put you to write some things in your heart to your younger self today. And I hope some of what I share today resonates with you. But I also hope that you can do your own soul searching and say, Holy Spirit, you know me better than I know myself. Because how many of you know that you don't really know yourself? You, anybody like me, like, I think I know what's good for me. And I know what's wrong with the world. A letter to my younger self. I, I want to read two quotes before we pray. Just two quotes right here. The untreated traumas of childhood become the frustrating dramas of adulthood. Let me read another one to you. The cry we hear from deep in our hearts comes from the wounded child within. Healing this inner child's pain is the key to transforming anger, sadness, and fear. Which is to say, some of us are trying to deal with the anger and the fear, not realizing that those are just symptoms to a child that wasn't healed. To a child that was wounded. A letter to my younger self. Can you help me pray today? Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. What I ask, Lord, is that you would speak to our, our soul today. Whatever area in our life, oh God, is just simply a byproduct of an unhealed wound in our soul, Lord, that you would let it surface, Lord, so that your Holy Spirit could deal with it. Lord, we can love you today because you first loved us. In Jesus' name, we pray. And God's people say, Amen. can we give God a praise in this room? Come on, give it to him strong. It's Friends and Family Sunday. Uh, let, let me introduce you to Younger Row. Can I, can I introduce you real quick? Younger Row, can we put that up real quick? Woo! Clearly, 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 what, what, you would, what I would not tell myself is I need to work on my looks. I would not tell that myself because that man, my goodness, clearly that was not a struggle that I had all my life. And so, 
this is, this is little Ro. This is little baby Ro. This is me. Look at this. That's Reuben. We've been doing this for a long time, cuz. That's Reuben. We've been doing this for a long time. Oh, my goodness. This is my younger self. And there's so many. I look at these pictures and there's so many. Mem- look, look at that guy. Anybody remember the jacket? The jacket that looked like you were a pilot. Like this. Anybody remember? Marcos knows exactly what I'm talking about. Look at that. 13 years old. Hey, right there. Ain't nobody held a cup, a glass cup, the way I held that glass cup right there. That boy. Oh, y'all remember the chin? Y'all remember the chin? That's when webcams got a lot of people in trouble, those webcams that came out. A lot of people in trouble. But I, <laughs> but I, I have a lot of memories. I have a lot of thoughts. There's so many things that I would go back and if I could write a letter and I could talk to my younger self, there's so many things that I would say to my younger self. There's so many pieces of advice that I would share with myself just to help a brother out. I look at this young man and I'm saying, man, if I could father him, if I could talk to him, so many areas. I look at these pictures and I get so many memories. Like I remember some of these memories. It was just me and Ruben alone because our parents were working. And so I, I used to have to wait with him and I was late for school and I used to have to clean his behind at 11 years old. I mean, he had a little birth. No, nah, anyway, I'm just not going to. It's like, I can never get that stain out. Anyway. That's, I don't know what's happening here. That's not even in my notes. Lord help. It's these pictures, Pastor Ruben. It's these pictures. But I give myself some of these memories that come up. I remember, i never forget it. Me and my brother, my older brother, Raul, we're in the living room and we're having this karate match. We were absolutely enamored with karate and we're just kind of going back and forth. But we're like going in. Like, I don't know if you ever had a, a fight with one of your siblings and I'm doing like karate chops on him and he's kicking me and I'm punching him and he's kicking me and I'm punching him. And then my mom walks in the room and she's like, what's going on here? To which we stop and we're like, okay, stop, stop. No, she goes, no, it's okay, keep going. She goes, it's okay, keep going, keep going. No, I was like, what? She goes, yeah, keep going. I was like, we could continue to fight. She goes, yeah, go fight. Fight all you want. To watch, to which I was like, what? My mom's letting me fight? And she goes, yeah, 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 go, go. But first, take off your clothes because I don't want you to mess up your clothes. So I was like, what? I get to fight? And I get to look like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. I was like, we're going in. And so we go in. We start kicking each other, punching each other, fighting. And then we run out of breath after five minutes. My mom is like, oh, you done? And I'm like, yeah, that was good. That was good. She goes, okay. (laughs) And she put the beats on me and Raul. And, and, And I know what you're thinking right now. Nowadays, they call that child abuse they had another word for that back then. It was called parenting. So they called it back then. Now it's child abuse. Hey, you're child abusing. No, back then it was parenting. Come on, somebody. And, 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 and though it, it, she didn't hurt us in any way, but I just remember that moment. If I could go back into time, I'd be like, yo, Ro, whatever you do, if she says keep fighting, you say, no, mommy, let's just stop and pray right now. Let's just stop and pray. I thought about this. I was genuinely looking at these pictures and I was saying, hey, what would I say to this young man? Some of these pictures get me a little emotional because I look at my life and I, and I look at what I know now. If I just knew someone like I, I, I've experienced so much healing now and I, I know that that young man didn't know better. I know now I know better and because I know better, I could do better. And, but I know I look at him and I'm saying, man, it just... Sometimes I, I wish I could go back into that young man's life and, t- and tell him I believe in you. I believe in you, bro. Like this guy right here. I don't know who this guy is. This might have been the last time I graduated. I don't know. <laughs> but I look at him and I'm saying, man, this kid just wanted someone to believe in him. I had slanted eyes my whole life. Look at that. And still was good looking. My goodness. <laughs> they couldn't even get me a haircut. Look at that. It's just. 
I look at this young man, I say, man, I, he just wanted somebody to believe in him, someone to love him. And I started meditating, okay, Holy Spirit, just show me your truth. What is it that you would want me to go back and tell my younger self? And I think what I would write when it came to my younger self, I think I would, I would write a letter and I would say to my younger self, first thing is, out of everything that I could say to my younger self, I, I felt like if I can only go back in time like, like Marty McFly, come on, back to the future, and just slip in a note, hero, I think this is what I would say to my younger self. Dear younger self, don't let your hurt become your handicap. Don't let your hurt become your handicap. See if I will go back and teach myself how to write. <laughs> Don't let your hurt become your handicap. Because here's why. Because because so often what happens is, is that if we don't treat the wounds of our past, they become the ways of our future. See, what happens is, is that if we don't allow the Holy Spirit to deal with the wounds of yesterday, they become the ways of tomorrow. Don't allow your hurt to become your handicap. I don't know about you, but there's something about hurt. There's something about wounds. There's something about pain that you've experienced in the past that some way finds its way to smuggle itself into your life even right now. There's something about the hurt of yesterday that finds itself on how to handicap your life today. It, it, something about hurt that it handicaps our relationships. It handicaps our friendships. It, it handicaps the way we see others. It handicaps our decisions. Come on, somebody. It, it handicaps something about hurt. It handicaps our perception, our reality. It dilutes our ability to love. It diminishes our capacity to forgive. I think I would tell little Roe, little Roe, don't let your hurt become your handicap. Don't let your hurt become your handicap, and, and here's why. And I think that this quote rings to be true. That if you don't heal from what hurt you, you'll bleed on people who didn't cut you. I know this is a famous quote, but I need, I need some of us in the room to be honest. Can we be honest today? I think I'm not the only one bold enough to, to admit that I've bled on some people who never hurt me. I've bled on some people that never caused the wound in my heart. They never caused the injury. They, I, I'm willing to admit that there are, there are some people in this place, if we, we were being honest, our children never hurt us, but we, we bled on our children. I remember that when I dislocated my shoulder, I mean... I don't, that's another story for another day. I'm not going to even tell you how that happened. But I dislocated my shoulder. I did physical therapy. And after doing some physical therapy, I thought I was good. And I just removed the sling that I had been wearing for the last three weeks. And here's what it started to happen. happen. People, people didn't know that I was injured. So some people would grab my arm. They would bump into me. See, what I discovered in that moment is that I could have easily, thank God I was self-aware enough to not lash out on the people that were grabbing my arm because they didn't know I was injured. But on the emotional level, let's be honest, there's some people that are bumping into us and we're lashing out on them not realizing they're only exposing an injury and a wound that happened in our childhood. It's like, you're the one that caught, you're the one that's hurting me. No, no, sister. No, he's not the one that's hurting you. He's only the one that may be bumping into you, but that injury pre-existed his existence in your life. 
I never forget it. Like literally people were bumping into me. I was like, oh, oh my goodness, that hurts so much. Yeah, they hurt you unintentionally because they didn't know that you were dealing with a, a wound that needed to be treated. And so many times in our life, we, we allow this moment in our life to become a mindset of our life. An injury that took place in a moment now becomes a mindset that we live with. And so it's no longer that you were hurt. It's now that's the way I see people through the lens of hurt. Now I'm being careful because I don't want to be hurt. Now I'm being careful because I don't want to experience the injury. And so, so often in our lives, we allow one moment to become our mindset. We allow one moment of pain to become the filter in which we actually conduct ourselves with and the way we actually see people. And I just think that the Holy Spirit wants to remind you today, don't let your hurt become your hand, handicap. When your hurt becomes your handicap, it now becomes your mindset. It now becomes the way we see people. It now becomes, I make my decisions because of the pain that was caused. I may, I may, the way I walk is because of the way, uh, the way they hurt me. The way I see people, and here's the worst part of it, now it's perpetuated through generations. And so now because they hurt you, you want to protect your children, so you tell your children hey make sure you hurt them before they hurt you if they take your lunch money you make sure you eat their lunch for them if they look at you wrong you make sure you and we now start creating generational curses that were a moment that becomes our generational handicap don't let, I would tell this young man, hey, don't let your hurt become your handicap. Now, in the Bible, there's this term to communicate a conditioned mind or a fixed mindset, and it's the term of a stronghold. Everybody shout stronghold. See, the stronghold is actually a battle term that's found in all of the Old Testament. It's actually never found in the New Testament outside of one occasion where the Apostle Paul is using a reference of a battle term. And the Old Testament is used several times. It's, it's called the stronghold. What it would mean is that this was a forge. This was a protection. This was a barricade. The way it looked like is like if you were at war and you needed a place to receive protection, you would go behind the stronghold. Several times it'll say David went behind the stronghold. This person went behind the stronghold. And it was a means of protection. But what happens is the Apostle Paul uses it as a way to have a fixed mind. That there's something controlling your mind outside of yourself. Your mind has a strong hold. If, you, if you're going to actually break down the world, the word is just that. Your mind has a, something has a strong hold over you. Some, something has a strong hold over your thought life. And so the Apostle Paul begins to say things. And here's what happens. Though it's a... A way of protecting yourself at one point, here's what happens with the stronghold. Nobody can hurt you, but you also can't experience life. See, the stronghold actually protects you. It actually is a defense. It protects you, but here's what happens sometimes. So often in our lives, unintentionally, church, nobody sets out to do this. This is unintentionally. We hide behind the stronghold because at one point it protected us. But if we're not careful, it'll evolve from being something that protected us to being something that imprisons us. So it's the thing that protected you. It's the thing that stopped people from hurting you. And so your anger, man, your anger stopped people from hurting you. And so you were angry and that protected you. But could it be that now it's actually imprisoning you? Can it be that now our hurt is becoming our hand, handicap? It's becoming our hang-up. It's becoming the thing that holds us back. Yeah, your pride, your pride, one day you needed it because you needed to feel good about yourself and you didn't want to give anybody any leeway in your life to try to speak into you. And so you allowed yourself to get arrogant and prideful. And so pride at one time protected you from being hurt. But could it be that now pride is the very thing that is keeping you in prison? Am I preaching to anybody here today? Could it be that your deception, oh, I had to be good with my words. I had to be manipulative. I had to be deceptive, but I wasn't, I wasn't being mean about it. I just had to figure out life, and that was the only way that I could get around as a child. I had to figure things out. I had to be on my own, and so I became manipulative, and I became deceptive, and at one point, that deception was able to protect you, but now it's imprisoning you. Don't let your hurt, row become your handicap. 
And so the Apostle Paul uses this term and he says this. He says, it is true that I am an ordinary weak human being, but I don't use human plans and methods to win my battles. I use God's mighty weapons to knock down the devil's stronghold. <sighs> Listen, there's an enemy that is against you, and it's not the people that bump into you. And as long as the enemy can try to get you to, to believe that the person that is your enemy is the person that's in front of you, he will always have you distracted from who the true enemy is. Because if you don't know who the true enemy is, you'll never fight in the right battle. I remember in the beginning of our marriage, many of you already know this story, but for those that are here for the first time, my wife and I, uh, we had to go to counseling. And I'm going to be honest, we were going to counseling. But she's the one that needed counseling. <laughs> At least in my eyes. My wife and I did five years of counseling. Five years. That's why when people are like, hey, I did counseling. How, how long you did counseling? Oh, we went to three sessions. <laughs> okay, cute. That's like... Oh, you did the trial. Five years of counseling, three years of matrix for us to experience the healing that we experience. But at the very beginning of our marriage, we knew that the some, something, was, something was wrong. The way we would resolve conflict, I mean, from the slightest things, from the smallest thing, it didn't matter. I had a tough character, she had a tough character, and none of us were willing to budge. We were destroying ourselves while the enemy was looking back and having a good time seeing us destroy ourselves. And something had to give. And I remember when we started counseling, I, uh, the counselor, she looked at us and I had this need of respect. I had this absolute need of respect. And, and maybe that's not your need. You don't need that. But maybe you need love. Maybe you need attention. Those things are not organically wrong. They're not um, intrinsically wrong. But what they are is what happens is when you don't get it. See, the problem isn't desiring it. The problem is what happens when you don't get it. And so the problem wasn't that I want to respect. I think that that's a noble thing to desire, to want to be respected. But the problem is, is when I don't get respect. And remember, the, I would flip out. We would go crazy. We, things would happen. I'm going to say certain things broke. Things went airborne at times. All the while, we're trying to look polished and cute at church. I remember the counselor looks at Lisa and she says, Lisa, you know that the problem didn't start with Roe. And I was like, Doja. That's a woman of God right there. She looks at me and she's like, you know what? You know, because here's the truth. Like, I had an injury. I didn't know it. I had an injury, but guess who kept bumping into it? Hey, hey, Roe, you know you know what you're dealing with didn't start with Lisa. And I was like, this woman clearly doesn't hear from God, this counselor. She's not of the Lord. She doesn't hear from God. And I remember in that moment, if I could just be vulnerable and transparent with us, she, she said, hey, we're going to pray and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to kind of show us where this wound began. And I praise God for her because she was an anointed counselor, but she was just an anointed minister that she knew the counseling tools and the resources, but she'd also inject the Holy Spirit to come and speak to us right then and there. And that was just a beautiful moment. And I tell you, though, Lisa will share her testimony one day, but as far as my testimony, the Holy Spirit brought, brought me back to a moment in my childhood where I was 11 years old and my father called me stupid. Many of you, though, know this story. And it's not so much the words itself. It's just, it's just what it did to me at that moment. It did something to me. I made an inner vow in my heart and I, no one will ever disrespect me. No one will ever violate me. One day I'll be able to repay my, uh, I'll be able to get revenge. One day I'll be able to defend myself. One day there won't be anybody that will be able to disrespect me and, and walk out alive. I'm telling you, you make some inner vows at 11 years old. And so what was happening, Lisa was just bumping into that wall, that standard of respect that I had. And I remember the Holy Spirit brought me to that place. 
And I said, Holy Spirit, show me the truth. And the Holy Spirit, right then, in that moment, it was magical. It was miraculous. I can't even explain it, church. Can I tell you? He just healed me. That broken young man, and this is why, this is the way I explain it. It was like the butterfly effect. You ever seen the butterfly effect movie? It was as if I was in real time, but the Holy Spirit went way back when to heal this young man as if he had never been wounded. And I felt the reality, reality of it right here in real time. I came out of that prayer completely healed as if a, a surgery took place back then. And here's what I believe about the Holy Spirit for us today, church. That there is no hurt that is beyond his power to heal. That there is no wound that can escape his wonder-working power. That there is no emptiness in your soul that his love can't fill. That there's no barrier that his grace can't break down. And there's no stronghold that cannot be pulled down to the obedience of Jesus Christ. If we say, Lord, Holy Spirit, have your way in our, perform the illest surgical whatever in our heart right now. I think, I think the Holy Spirit wants to remind somebody today that he can heal the hurt so it won't become the handicap in our lives. See, he wants you to experience the benefits of freedom. He wants you to experience the delight of what it means to walk free. There's so many people that the chain has been broken, but we're still not walking in that freedom. We're still not walking in that victory. And Jesus says today, would you allow me to deal with that hurt? Would you allow me to go back and heal that young? And I, I know some of us might feel in this place and we're, we're like, no, like you don't know. Like I was innocent. I was only a child. I was taken advantage of. And what we, don't, what we don't realize, if we're holding on to unforgiveness and we're holding on to resentment, what we're doing is voluntarily holding on to in the prison that is enslaving us. God is saying the door has been opened wide, but you're still holding to the bars. Don't let your hurt become your handicap. And here's the last point I want to make to you today. I think what I would say to myself is, last thing. Again, this is something that I would share with myself, but maybe there's something that the Holy Spirit is already reminding you of today. I would say, don't let your work become your work. See, see, we all have a way of measuring our worth. For me, it was my work. I can't tell you how many times in my life that the way I saw myself, my identity, my, my value all came from this place of performance. It all came from this place of doing and, 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 and achieving and producing. And my whole identity was tied to that. Now, there's nothing wrong with those things independently. There's nothing wrong with liking to produce and liking to, liking to work. What happens is, is that when it attaches itself to your identity and your worth. See, I would say those things are nice, but, but Ro, you, you just tied it to your worth too much. And I remember as a young boy that I would run up the stairs to my father's music room only to fake the funk like I was learning piano so I could get a pat in the back. Like I know if I get up in the morning and he finds me on the keyboard, he'll be like, oh, I'm so proud of you, son. Good job. And so much of my worth and my value and my identity was tied to this thing of, of work and producing. And, and I think I would say that to, to my younger self, hey, don't get caught up with doing. Just rest in being who you are. Don't get caught up in producing and attaching that to your identity and attaching that to your value. Because we all have this. Maybe, maybe for me it was work, but maybe for you it's relationships. 
Like your worth and your value come from relationships. Your work and your value may come from the amount of zeros you have in your bank account. And somewhere down the line, you got the message. You interpreted the message that if I do this or if I have this, then I am worthy of value. Then and only then, may, may, now, now I'm somebody, but what happens when those things are pulled up onto you? What happens is, is that your identity becomes destroyed because it was contingent to that extra zero in your bank account. It was contingent on your ability to produce. It was contingent on getting affirmations from people in external relationships. Maybe my, my worth is, is connected to how I see myself and my worth is connected to my looks and my worth is connected to uh, the kind of job that I have and, and my worth is... Con- and I think what the Holy Spirit would want to remind us today, I think he would say this, I mean, I can't, I can't tell you, I look at this young boy and I just, I want to say this, Ro, you are more valuable than you realize. You are more valuable than you realize, Ro. You attach so much of your worth and value and identity And you got lost in doing and producing that you didn't even know who you were at times. Don't allow your work to become your worth. But here's why, and I want to read this to you, Psalms chapter 139. It says, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and you knit them together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. It is amazing to think about. Your workmanship is marvelous and how well I know it. You were there while I was being formed in the utter seclusion. You saw me before I was born and scheduled each day of my life before I began to breathe. Every day was recorded in your book. How precious it is, Lord, to realize that you are thinking about me constantly. I can't even count how many times a day your thoughts turn towards me. And when I wake in the morning, you are still thinking of me. I think God wants to remind you today that you are worthy because I made you worthy. That you are holy because I made you holy. That you are valuable because I made you valuable. That even before you existed in this planet, you were a thought in my mind and you were valuable as a thought in my mind and heart. I created you with value and worth. Can nobody, can no thing be the thing that tells you that you're worthy and you're valuable? You know, I find it interesting as the worship team comes up that the only passage in the Bible that we find about Jesus' childhood outside of his birth is a unique story. It's a story where he gets lost. How's that for abandonment issues? (laughs) How's that for rejection? They didn't realize he was lost until three days later. How about that? My man was, but you know what I, see, see what I've found in Jesus, you can find so many clusters of richness in the life of Jesus that even at 13 years old, though he was somewhat abandoned by his father and mother at that time that didn't even realize he was lost. You know what the Bible says he went? He went to daddy's house. He went to the father's house. And he goes, no, I wasn't lost because I was in Abba's house. I was about my father's business. And, and, and I love that because I think that, you know, at the end of the day, though there are people in our life that were responsible for our health, they were responsible for taking care of us. They were responsible for holding us by the hand. They were responsible for filling in those gaps that now we're looking for someone else to fill. Listen, it's not your fault that you were lost It was not Jesus' fault that he was lost. It was his parents' responsibility. It was your caretaker's responsibility. It's not your fault why you were lost, but it is your responsibility to get healed. It is your responsibility to get healed. 
And I think that Jesus grows up to be now at the age of 30, age 31, age 32, and there's this interesting verse to me. At times, it doesn't even have any context or explanation as to why it's there. But as I read it this week, I said, man, Lord, is, is this what you really want from us even today on this Friends and Family Sunday? Let me read it to you. Then Jesus called the children over to him and said to the disciples, let the little children come to me. Huh. Never send them away. For the kingdom of God belongs to men who have hearts as trusting as these little children. But God, they messed up my trust. I have so much doubt. I have so much hatred. I have so much fear. There was one point in time you didn't. And anyone who doesn't have their kind of faith will never get within the kingdom's gates. This is talking about the kingdom of God. It is not talking about going to heaven or going. This is not talking about that. This is talking about experiencing the kingdom of God here on earth. Which is to say, you could be free and not experience the benefits of your freedom. Jesus says, let the children come to me. Here's what I'm asking. Would you be so bold today to hold your younger self and walk him to the altar today? You know what? There was nobody to lead you to Jesus. There was nobody to help you to be healed. But I don't believe I heard this message by coincidence. I'm going to hold you by the hand and bring you to the altar. You know, I needed to hear, don't let your hurt become your handicap. Don't let your work become your worth. But maybe you need to hear something different. Maybe what you needed to hear today is something along these lines. Dear younger me, don't be so hard on yourself. It's okay. You didn't know any better. Can we stand up on our, on our feet? Maybe what you needed to hear today and maybe what you need to write to your younger self is, dear younger self, stop trying to be someone you're not. Maybe what you needed to write to your younger self today is, please slow down and enjoy the moment. Maybe what, what you needed to write down today is take more time healing and loving yourself before you move on to that next relationship. Maybe what you need to hear is it's only a season. This too shall pass. Maybe there's some of us here what you really need to tell your younger self is I forgive you. You didn't know any better. Maybe there's some of us where you need to write yourself a letter. And I know, listen, this doesn't happen. Some of your younger self was last week. Maybe it wasn't you as a kid. Maybe it was you last week acting out those kid traumas. Maybe what you need to say to yourself is don't panic. Maybe you need, you need to slip a letter to your younger self that says the door closed for a reason. But you'll be grateful it did soon enough. Maybe what you need to simply say to your younger self is let yourself be helped by others. Not everybody is out to get you. With every head bowed, 
with every eye closed, I want you to just hear my voice. If you're in this place, here's what I want to submit to you. Every single thing that we spoke about today, everything that we're saying, there's an enemy that's trying to destroy your life. He's going to use pain. He's going to use people. He's going to use your experiences for one reason. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to destroy your life. But the Bible says that Jesus has come to give us life in all its fullness. And the way he allows for that to happen is to heal every single wound you've experienced. He said, I came to heal the broken heart. If you're in this place and you don't know who this Jesus is, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for two people today. Maybe people that don't know God, but yet people who don't know that God could heal their soul right here. And so if you're in this place and you say, I want to experience the love of God today. That love of God will heal you. And that love of God will save you. If that's you in this place, if you're one of two people, if you're saying, I want to experience the healing power of God to heal every wound in my heart, every childhood trauma, if that's you in this place, at the count of three, would you lift up your hands? And if you say, I want to encounter this love for the first time, would you lift up your hands as well? One, two, three. Hands go up. Hands go up. Hands go up. My God, my God, my God, my God. Keep the hand up. Keep the hand up right now. Would you be so bold if you're in a position to do so? Would you be so bold as our prayer comes? Listen, we're not going to pray over you. We're not going to lay hands on you, but we just want to circle you with prayer. And I just want you to make a declaration out of faith. If you're in this place and you say that's you, would you just join me in this altar right now? Just come. Come on. You're going to walk your younger self to the altar. You're just going to walk your younger self right to the altar. Right here. Right here. Right here. Thank you. Come. 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 Come on. Come on, can we put our hands together? Come on, come, 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 come. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Jesus. Jesus.